The Money Show. Business Unusual. Money Show, of course, brought to you by Absa CIB, working with their clients to help them navigate the hospitality industry with strategic insights. The bravery to imagine that's Africanacity. Absa is a registered FSP. Rich Mulholland, founder of Missing Link. What is the consultancy trap? Well, Bruce, I feel like I've landed in it. You know, I've had my business uh, 25 years now. And as you, you know, when you're younger and you start a business, you have DSP, delusional self-belief. <laughs> and then as you grow, you start realizing, oh, I didn't, everything I thought I knew, I didn't. And so you start going from coach to consultant and consultant back to coach again. And eventually you start questioning your sanity and your ability because every coach has a new advice, a new methodology, a new way of telling you how to run your business. And actually I'm confused and fatigued. Okay, so from delusional self-belief, you then get to a point, I suppose, where you're scaling up, you're employing people, other people are res- you know, you're responsible for other people's livelihoods, and you start thinking to yourself, "I better get some grown-up supervision here." Um, so you go and you 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 talk to some grown-ups who seem to be full of very good ideas, but nobody knows your business the way you know your business, and so the coaching works for a bit, no doubt. And you either have some of your delusions affirmed, and some of them then dashed. And you, I'm sure you went through this process where you were running things better, but then you got a bit bigger, and then you thought, "Hold on a second, I really need some systems and processes and some help to get that done." To take me through. The, the life cycle, if you like, of Missing Link from 25 years ago to scale? Well, that, well, that's exactly it. So I started the business and I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, that uh, incompetent, uh, but when you're ignorant in competence, you don't know what you don't know. And it's a beautiful place because you combine that with the arrogance of a 22-year-old. And obvi- obviously, I, I, the answer to what I don't know is nothing. I was the all-knowing oracle. And I believed it. When I was in a boardroom and I was in front of anybody, it was great. But I took the business as far as I could, and I eventually realized either I have to hire in professional leadership or I have to get a coach. And I got a coach quite early on. And coaching, by the way, has been extremely valuable for me. It's more as as we've grown again, we keep on getting people presenting their models to us. You know, this is the model that you can grow your business or try this model or that model is dated. And what I find is, and I'm feeling, is that where we're at now is a lot of the models are designed to make us average and maybe better on one metric, but average generally. Like this is what other businesses do, so you should act like them. But the irony is, as a business, we always try to defy that. In fact, I would argue that we grew because we weren't average and because we weren't the same as everybody else. And so as I've grown, instead of gaining confidence, I've actually lost confidence, which is bizarre because the business is bigger, better and healthier than it was back then. Yet I feel more intimidated, more out of my depth and sometimes more worried as well, which is quite a tough position to be in. Isn't and, that um, though, coaches, I mean, that's yeah. that's a perfectly rational perspective because 25 years ago, you didn't know what you didn't know. Now you know what you don't know and it's terrifying. It absolutely is. And I guess the stakes are higher, right? Because when it's yourself and a couple of people you met at the skate park, uh, you know, you, we all figured we'd all be fine. But now I've got livelihoods and people with children working for us and I've got, you know, children of my own and, and things like that. And, and it starts becoming difficult. The, the challenge for me, though, is how do I make sure? Because I believe that this goes on the back of, of us wanting to consume more content. So we read all the latest business books and every business book offers a new methodology. And then we want that. And I think that we're conflating some sort of shiny penny syndrome, just like I will be happier when I get that new toy, that new gadget, that new phone, that new book.
I think we're actually doing this with business um you know, consulting models as well. So the one consultant was on a novelty curve for a while. Then it became utility. Utility became boring. And what we actually want when we buy the next consultant is more novelty again. And I think it's unhealthy. Okay. So how do we solve the problem? I mean, you're you're in the business of solving problems, Rich. You like uh, to solve problems for people. Have, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and given yourself a good talking to? Yes. And in fact, that, that's why exactly when, when, you know, the team reached out to me today about chatting, this is so relevant to me. And, and I think it comes down to this idea of separating, realizing that there isn't a shiny penny or a silver bullet out there. I think as business owners, we want to look for that one big, nice thing like this is going to do it. And actually, when I look at the most valuable coaching relationships uh, that I've had, it's all been utility. It's all been working with a coach who just wants to help me be a better version of me. They don't promise to make my business better through some magic alchemy. They just want to help me understand myself and my team be better versions of the business owners we want to be. They try to coach you to build the business you want as opposed to coaching you to the business they want. And I think I need to go back to that utility coaching rather than uh, model of consulting that we've been looking at now. Now, this is this is anecdotal and you know, just as maybe we, we revisit in a couple of years and we see how I'm doing with it. But that's where I'm sitting now. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, it's it's interesting because, you know, it's a so often when people go to a consultant or they go to a coach, they want the consultant or the coach to solve the problems in their business. And actually, the coach and the consultant can't do that. They can give some guidance, yes. they can give some tips. It's about empowering the leader and the team to do what they do better and if they're doing things fundamentally wrong, to you know, point that out to them. But it's only them who can solve their own problems, ultimately. They're the ones who open the doors in the morning and close them at night. I also think, Bruce, is a kind of a shot uh, to, to leave on is that I think that we think that we're outsourcing our problems to somebody else. And we bring in these consultants and coaches, and then we've given ourselves somebody else to blame. You know, the best thing about when I started my business is that I had absolutely nobody to blame but myself. Yeah. If I made a mistake or a misstep, I was on the hook for it. And because I was on the hook for it, I was 100% invested. But the moment you hire somebody to help you with these things, you're kind of outsourcing some of the work to them. Now you have somebody to blame and you've let yourself off the hook. And there's something to be said for that being uh, an in error. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the moment you outsource your problems to somebody else to fix, they are, you're no longer controlling the process you're no longer in the process and and i find this you know I, I wonder that's why so many turnaround plans fail and so why so many consultancy projects ultimately fail is because the people who are meant to implement these great plans don't own them they're somebody else's ideas there's somebody else's ip there's somebody else's theories they sort of get given a little file and say do these 75 things and you'll be fine um and because they weren't, they didn't own the, the the problems themselves, and were happy to go. Phew, let's make it your problem to fix my my chaos. You're not the one who's going to be able to fix it yourself. Totally, and I see that as a speaker coach myself. Sometimes I have to catch myself when I when I find myself giving a speaker some advice. Go onto stage and do this, and then I remember how easy it is for me to say because they're the ones standing in front of the crowd. You know, it's not me. I'm not suggesting that I stand in front of the crowd and do what it is. Uh, they want to do. Although there's very little I find that I'm not happy to do in front of an audience. <laughs> but, but we know but, this. You know, you, you have know to remember that, yeah. The, the, the point is the same, is that a consultant won't, they're, they're not feeling the pain that you feel when you're in the business. And it's something just to understand that maybe we're letting ourselves off the hook as business owners. And maybe that's something worth thinking about.
the consultant moves away. The consultant, once your project is done, they leave you with some ideas and off they go to the next person and the next one after that. You, five years' time, are sitting with the catastrophe that you've um, you know, taken over from them. And, yeah, the, you've been... You you sort of probably have got advice fatigue. You probably have had you know extra input and stuff. So, how would you do it differently this time round, Rich? I mean, if you could go back to those that twenty five year old DSB, uh, what dumb, what stupid, and what benign? No DSB, delusional self belief. Delusional self belief. Uh, so that's what it was. What, what I think about this a lot. Differently? So there's a few things I would have done definitely, and I've really really reflected on this. In fact, when I did the year compass over the the holidays uh, to reflect. I've, I don't know if you've done the year compass, but it's not too late for people to do it if they haven't. It's a really great analysis on your year that's been in the year forward at yearcompass.com. But when I did that, I realized I would I literally wrote the, what I would like to do. I think that I tapped out of that too early. So we need to understand that delusional self-belief, the, the belief we have when we're in our early 20s is a diminishing resource. And we need to be very, very careful. When people give youngsters advice about having work-life balance, it's problematic. When you're 20 till you're 30, when you have the, the benefit of being able to work all night and go, you know, an all day as well, and have delusional self-belief, it's a superpower. But that superpower is going to be taken away from you. And you have to keep your, uh, the, you know, the pedal to the metal for as long as possible. And I actually, I talk to my kids about this. Like right now, you believe you can do anything as long as they make that last as long as you possibly can. And in fact, one of the changes that I made too early was I tapped out of the day-to-day -day running of the business to start doing public speaking because that was a nice source of instant gratification for me. And I think I took my foot off the accelerator too quickly, built credibility in a different field when I should have stayed longer on that. So that would have been my advice to myself. The advice to the current, the 48 version, you know, year old version of myself right now is to actually recreate that again. Find areas where I can be delusional again about my self-belief. And so I've decided to, I, I used to, I used to think I used to be funnier when I was on stage. So I've decided to start leaning into comedy to try and uh, do some comedy courses and to put myself out there to try and go back to, you know, why can I not be the funniest speaker in the world in a business context? And I've decided that that's what I want to be. So I'm trying to recreate delusional self-belief by going into areas in which I am back to being incompetent, where I, I don't know what I don't know. And if I can go back there again, then my sheer force of will and confidence will help me grow. But if I stay in the areas where I know my level, then I can never embrace that delusional self-belief. Isn't it incredible though, Rich? I mean, after all of these years of doing what you're doing, constantly challenging yourself that delusional self-belief is still there but there is also a level of paranoia that if you don't keep improving if you don't keep challenging yourself you are going to be overtaken by others at some point in the very distant future yes but also uh and, and you know i know this from our chats but you, I, I, you push yourself more than most speakers i know and it's because we're we're competing with a version of ourselves from yesterday and like i want to be better I want to be a better uh, version of myself. So it's like, I feel like at 48, I don't feel like I'm ready to tap off yet. So my biggest competitor is the version of me that I was yesterday yeah. and uh, the version of me that I should be tomorrow. That, that the, the chance of me not becoming that like infuriates me and frustrates me. And by the way, I constantly feel that the version of me that I am today should have been... <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago. You know, something. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and so... 
Uh, and then, you know, of course, you reflect and you look in your life and look at where you are and your achievements and you realize, well, I'm okay. You know, it's not like I've done terribly. But of course, I think it is worthwhile to chase what it is we can be. You know, no, your but, success... But if you're not delighting audiences, I mean, particularly in this profession of speaking, if you're not delighting audiences, then I don't know why you're doing it. And, uh, uh, and, that, and that's the critical thing, is ensuring that audiences are delighted through the process and once you're done... Uh, and they've got something to show for it when, the, when they're finished. Completely. But if you don't push yourself as a speaker, what happens is you start getting bored of your content and your delivery because it becomes so rehearsed that you're actually not, you're not using cognitive load anymore. You're just delivering. And then what happens is you actually start getting a bit bored of it and your audience feels that. And so the delight, the lack of delight is a byproduct of you not pushing yourself. It's a downstream effect. So as a speaker, we've got to write content for ourselves. We've got to constantly be trying to say things that amuse and excite us when we're on stage because an audience can never enjoy receiving a talk more than you enjoy delivering it. So that's, that's, and that's the way where I have to push myself. And the one way to push myself in that regard is to be discovering things new as an entrepreneur. So if I can embrace this delusional self-belief and find something new that excites me, that gives me a whole bunch of material that I can turn into a future talk that I can use to embrace uh, to entertain audiences. It's a wonderful, virtuous circle. The founder at Missing Link, Rich Mulholland. Don't get stuck in the consultancy trap. Don't get paralyzed by advice fatigue. Don't outsource the responsibility of fixing your business to others without being intimately involved in the process yourself.